Welcome to the Stare Down Sports Talk and Real Estate with Sean Carpenter of Coldwell Banker in Columbus, Ohio, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida, and Todd Meininger of Cummins, Georgia. Listen in as they discuss the week in sports and toss in a pinch of real estate too. Now your hosts, Sean, Todd, and Bill. Hey, greetings, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of The Staredown that is our college football playoff head-to-head matchup episode. I'm Sean Carpenter in Columbus, Ohio, joined by my regular co-hosts, Bill Risser, St. Petersburg, Florida, Todd Meininger in Cumming, Georgia, and Shea Brewer up in Portland, Oregon. We have two special guests that we're going to bring on in just a minute, uh, actually in probably a couple minutes, uh, but we're going to uh, talk about this week, we're going to break down the Cotton Bowl, the first of the two playoff games. And the next week, we're going to break down the Orange Bowl, the second of the playoff games. And, and we brought a special guest for this episode. But let's get right to our regular uh, our regular hosts, and let's see how everybody's doing. Bill, what's going on down in South Florida? I saw you saw you, you did get on the golf course today, although it looked like there was some standing water in some places. Uh, yeah, it was as soggy as the course can get, Sean. So uh, lift clean in place through the green. I, I love that. I've come to love lift That wasn't still from last week, was it? <laughs> No, it, it well it poured last week. Was it, it also rain hard Friday and Saturday up? Uh, yeah, especially up that North Tampa area where I play. So it was it was brutal. The greens were in good shape, but the uh, fairways were mush. So just try, trying to find a place to get a solid, you know, hit at the ball was a challenge. But I played okay. Finished tied for fifth. A birdie held up. Came home sixty dollars richer. Felt <laughs> real good. <laughs> so I had a good day. Nice. Been a while hey, since one of your birdies didn't get cut, right? No, you had to bring that up, but yeah, uh, this was my 16th birdie in this league I play in that I'd, for the previous 15 birdies had been cut, but this birdie on a par five of all holes holds up and I get paid for the first time in, I don't know, months. So yeah, thanks a lot for bringing that up. I was happy until you brought that up. That's all right. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Hey, you're still, still got $60 to, to be unhappy with. That's true. That's true. I'm all good. That's good. How about, how about you, Todd? What's going right. on out in the Todd, how about you? Yeah. Uh, ironically, I have 16 lifetime birdies, so that's, um, that's pretty good. I do have an eagle, though. I do have an eagle. Ooh, Ooh one? Windermere, yeah. One? Well, nice, nice. Actually, no, 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 I have two, but one was a uh, one was a chip-in, but I have one, like, legit par five. Crushed a driver, crushed a three-wood, hit a 15-foot putt uphill. Um, man, it's like it was yesterday. And that, that eagle cost me so much money because I uh, actually thought I was half good. And kept playing golf. So, um, great weekend, Sean. A lot of sports viewing, um, business as usual uh, during the week. So, I, I got a lot, uh, a lot of alone time to watch uh, sports, which is awesome. So, it was a good weekend. Excellent. Shay, what's going on with you, man? Missed you last, missed you a few weeks, but what's going on with, with uh, life in Portland? It's good to be back, guys. It's good to be back. Um, the grind of the season caused me to miss a couple weeks with you guys, but. Uh, finally, as we approach Christmas, uh, the schedule is a little lighter, so I get to uh, talk some sports and uh, real estate with, uh, with all my friends here. Good, good. Now let's do a quick introduction of our two guests, and then we'll we'll uh, jump into the, our our our, uh, our lot of topics to cover. Um, I invited a couple of my friends from uh, the teams that are represented in the college football playoffs, and, and so we're going to do it over two weeks. We're going to break down the the Cotton Bowl this this week. Uh, featuring Clemson, the second-ranked Clemson Tigers versus the third-ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish. 
and I invited two of my two of my buddies from the real estate world, and we'll bring them on in just a bit. But David Seaver is a friend of mine from Coal Banker Kane in Greenville, South Carolina. He's a Clemson grad, and David Dylan Schneider is a good longtime friend of mine for my uh, majority of my life. We we grew up together, played basketball together, and we're we're kind of ran the same crew uh, all through high school and junior high school. Uh, David Dylan Schneider lives in, with his family in Colorado and is a Notre Dame graduate, so we'll have them break down. But let's just say hi to them really quick. David Seaver, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for joining us on the stare down. Doing great. Hey, looking forward to this. I've uh, listed a couple of the uh, stare downs and uh, glad to be a part of it. Good. And David Dillenshine, how's things out in Colorado, man? You starting to have snow yet? It uh, doesn't feel very Christmassy, about 60 degrees today. Don't think we're going to get any snow before Christmas, unfortunately, but uh, everything's going great out here. Good. Hey, Sean, I'm shocked you didn't introduce someone from UCF. So well, I, I was going to ask the same thing, being here in St. Pete. <laughs> I mean, the true national champions, 25 wins in a row. Uh, We're not, don't no get me started, Bill. No, love don't all, get me Todd. started. All right. Don't get me started. All right. Sorry, Todd. Go ahead. Sorry. Hey, Todd, at least, at least from a relevant standpoint, I do feel that, that they are – seems like the UCF fans are more worried to, to talk and smack to the Gators than they are to Florida State and Miami. Uh, they don't seem to want any part of Florida State or Miami, but they definitely have a grudge against Florida. Um, so I guess that's a good spot that we're, we're, the, we're the one they're worried about, right? We could have a whole show about it, Sean, but let's not give them um, any benefit by talking about them. It's nice to mention. Let's, let's go on to the, the real uh, college football. All right, well, let's, let's, let's start with uh, – it's not cold anywhere uh, right now, but let's start on the ice and let's start in the NHL. I just want to quickly uh, – I, I went to my first Blue Jackets game last night. Unfortunately, the Blue Jackets uh, lost a, a, a very good game, 2-1 to one in overtime to Anaheim. Uh, they are just a, a point out – or a couple points out of the – Atlantic division, but right now, Bill, your Tampa lightning playing really well. Got, I think a seven point lead right now, seven point lead, seven game winning streak. Uh, their offense is clicking, you know, yeah. lots. I mean, they're scoring lots goals. Yeah. And, and this, this all happened with Vasilevsky, the, uh, the, the starting goalie out, right. Domingue, the backup and was in for most of those games. Vasilevsky made it back for that last game against the Sabres. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Um, Maple Leafs. So they're, uh, they're on a roll right now, and Town's yeah. excited. Town's excited. They, you know, looking for. They're hoping to go deep again in the playoffs. Next well, it's easy for the town to kind of turn with the Buccaneers' season the way they they performed, right? Which we'll get yeah. to. In the NFL. Yeah. Hey, hey, how long is the uh, hockey season, Sean? How many games? 80, 80, 80, 80, 80 or eighty-two? Yeah, eighty-two. 82 similar to NBA. Yeah. So you're almost, almost, almost halfway. So yeah, right. yeah. Little, little, uh, long way to go, but yeah. And there. then Washington also uh, in, in the uh, in the top in the. Um, middle division uh, out west you got nashville yeah. nashville and calgary uh leading the two sides out there um so a lot a lot of a lot of ground to be played but with obviously so much uh football on the schedule we're gonna we're gonna turn our attention to that todd i want to hit on epl next and then we'll get to the nba uh, oh shay shay you want to jump jump something on nhl can i you guys know I'm not a I'm not a huge NHL fan, but I was doing some reading this week, and I came across something that the NHL teams do, and I think it's absolutely great for sports teams. They have a weekend where the dads will actually go on a road trip with hmm. the team, until so they get to hang out with their sons while they while they actually go on a two game road trip. And I want to say it was Winnipeg went down to Tampa today or yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. Winnipeg was in Tampa today, and Winnipeg actually opened it up to the moms. So the moms actually get to take the team plane and actually hang out with their sons for a weekend while they go on a road trip. I thought that was really cool. I wish more professional uh, professional sports teams would do something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's a neat tradition. I know the Columbus Blue Jackets dads, uh, they make a regular routine when, when they play at Toronto. Uh, they go up there. Obviously, a lot of the families are from Canada. <clears throat> um, 
but they try and get to Toronto, and I, it would make sense that the Winnipeg take Winnipeg team would want to get down to Tampa uh, for a game, especially in December. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. Or, or, or Florida or, or Anaheim or Phoenix, right? But yeah, great, great observation, Shane. It's kind of a cool tradition um, that I think most of the teams are starting to uh, to pick up on. Three three right now in the third, Bill. Yeah, I'm just watching it. Lightning on a lightning on a power play. So. <laughs> Thank you. Nice. Todd, Todd, what's going on in the soccer world? Uh, MLS season ended last week with your Atlanta uh, team winning the, the MLS Cup. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, Atlanta beat. I want to say Shea's Portland Timbers, but I think Shea was at. You know, you can't you can take the boy out of Atlanta, but you can't can't take Atlanta out of the boy, right? So <laughs> Shea, what Shea? I know you've been. Um, they brought the MLS MLS Cup. The um, Atlanta United, uh, a club that I'm sure you you've been to. Did you see that? Um, <laughs> see that post on Twitter? Because I haven't been. Why, why are you laughing so hard, Shay? <laughs> if you know Atlanta, you know Atlanta nightlife. They're kind of known for uh, the adult nightlife, and <laughs> it's fun. I think that may be the first time that the MLS. Well, it's only the second MLS Cup, but that's maybe the first time that any. Uh, any professional sporting trophy has ended up in a, an adult establishment. <laughs> was it the Cheetah Club? Did it go to the Cheetah Club? <laughs> Does it have the name? We will not confirm. No, Where'd it go, Todd? Uh, <laughs> I'm a lot older than you are, Shay, so um, I'm sure you've been around. I just love the fact they're treating the cup like the Stanley Cup, right? I mean, they're, yeah, they're cool. enjoying it and uh, celebrating the win. And God, I was watching the, the the match, and I mean, these guys are 24, 21, 26. It's, you know, a lifetime ago. So, hey, good good for them and having, having a good time. So, but congrats to Atlanta. Um, EPL, Sean, uh, Liverpool continues to oh, yeah. be the only unbeaten club um, in the in the uh, Premier League. Um, Bill, they, they beat your Manchester United squad pretty Great. handily, 3-1 today. Um it was uh, it was one nothing, and then the Liverpool keeper kind of made a, a bad bad play, kind of a soft goal. But then um, super sub uh, Shakuri, I think I'm am I pronouncing that right? I see you yeah. shaking your head, David. Yeah, he came in. He's a Swit, uh, Switzerland um, national. Um, they bought him for fourteen million dollars, which is relatively cheap. Uh, but anyway, he scores two in the second uh, second half. So again, uh, long way to go in the EPL, but it's amazing that. Um, Liverpool's uh, unbeaten and uh, Arsenal first loss in, I want to say 24 games, if, if I'm remembering correctly. So mm-hmm. they lost to Southampton, which was in the relegation zone. And now they're out of the relegation zone by beating a, a top three club, which is pretty impressive. So anyway, that's the uh, soccer report in a nutshell, unless anyone else has. Dude, well, I'm sure Dave Dillon, I know that's been become your, one of your sports that you really have jumped on. You, you follow Notre Dame football and basketball, but obviously uh, EPL has been a big piece of your, uh, I think you and yeah. your son are, are fans, right? Yeah, no, EPL's great. I did watch the uh, Man U-Liverpool match today. Shakiri is a scrappy player who yeah. can, you know, pounces on the ball, and uh, he gets the job done. It's going to be – I hope it's going to be a great race to the end. Um, and, and, Todd, are you – not to get too far off topic, are, are you a fan of relegation? Uh, with, is that something you'd want to see in the MLS? Yeah, we've 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 talked about this uh, many times in past staredowns. I I I think it's fantastic. I don't know if the MLS could ever get there because, um, gosh, England. I'm curious to see how big England is compared to the United States, but I guess it's no bigger than a couple of the the southern states. And every town has multiple uh, clubs, right? I mean, Liverpool and Everton are literally like two miles from each other, 
and they're both in the Premier League. So I think um, MLS relegation would be wonderful, but I don't think um, we're as deep uh, with as many clubs that would make it exciting. I, I don't know what your take is on it, but that's... No, that's I think you're right that the dynamic of the MLS right now just doesn't lend itself to, to relegation, but I do, I do really like it in the EPL. Uh, it, it makes those uh, um, clubs that are on the, the bottom of the league, I, I want to watch their games even in yeah. you know, April. Uh, because they're they're fighting for their lives. Uh, so I mean, listen, to beat Arsenal any week is amazing, but for Southampton to do it, uh, they won 3-2, and they went from in the relegation zone to out of it. Now it's still early. It's only December, and the, the league goes through April. But you would have thought they won um, a, a title or a cup the way they were celebrating, rightfully so. Um, yeah. Everyone wants to stay above, and – Again, we've talked about this before. What's even more interesting is the Champions League below um, the guys coming up, how they do it. There's there are two the, – the, the top two seeds automatically come in, and then the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth seed, they have a, a playoff. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just really yeah, – we're, we're like, geeking out on soccer. So. Yeah. It definitely keeps the fans engaged, but can you imagine, like right now, you look at some of these teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars and these teams that are kind of almost just, just sucking for the last three, yeah. three weeks, and they're going to get rewarded with a good pick. Yep. Whereas, you know, the, in the EPL and the Champions League, it's, you know, you, you get rewarded by doing well or you get punished by, by playing poorly, right? Yep. Well, I mean, in the Premier League, and David, jump in. I mean, you're, you're playing for the top four spots. I mean, yep. you, wanna, you want Champions League play. You want Europa League play. Um, so being in the middle of the table is not necessarily bad, but um, the excitement's at the top of the table and at the bottom of the table. Yeah. Um, and it makes, rel- as, da- as David said, you know, February games are – a, a, a Southampton um, Fulham football club match is really exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you like soccer. And I know, Shay, you follow a little too. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. No, I haven't really, uh, I haven't really been focusing on the EPL that much this year. Basketball season's kind of taking up on the time. Yeah. I got you. I got you. I think only so much you can watch. One thing we lose in the conversation for uh, non-soccer fans, and, you know, I'll put myself in that category, although, Todd, you're doing, you're doing a great job of, Getting, I'm trying to sell it. I'm trying to sell it. No, you're doing good. But it's not just, it, you know, we, I think when people think relegation, they think it's just from Premier League to Champions. But it goes like to the first league, the second league. I don't know how deep it goes, but it goes on down this huge hierarchy of leagues where there's constant jumping back and forth, yeah. you know, with this relegation. It's part of life. And I think yeah. that's one of the reasons you so, won't see it here ever. But. And, 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 Bill, is the, is the equivalency major league teams would drop down to AAA, AAA would drop yeah. down to AA? Yeah, absolutely. Cape Cod Wood Bat League and so on. As far as you can go, Sean. I mean, there's, there are, there are little team, there are teams that play in probably 5,000 seat little fields or pitches that have a chance of moving up a league. (laughs) It's just, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, And and soccer does a great job also of uh, English soccer. They have uh, the league cup and the FA cup. So the FA cup involves all those five divisions, right? So uh, the third through fifth division are scrapped right now. And as soon as they shake that out, they're going to play the Champions League and the Premier League. And, and these little towns. Um, I Portsmouth. Mean, I know Portsmouth where Ron yeah. Newman played, right? But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If they have a chance to beat a Liverpool, who most likely is playing a lot of guys that maybe, you know, maybe not their stars, but if they get a chance to beat a Liverpool or an Arsenal or, or whatnot, um, gosh, it's just thrilling for them. So it's um, – yeah. It's, it's, it's Super complex cool. and many, le- many levels in soccer, which makes it fun. 
kind of like the Indiana high school basketball championships, right? How it's every school makes it in and then you, you make it to that, you know, Hoosiers level. Yeah. It'd be um, great if, like, if college football did the same thing. Teams like, I'm sorry, here we go. Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice segue, Bill. Sorry. <laughs> let's get Shay involved. Shay, let's get to your NBA segment. Uh, just a quick recap of here's what's going on in the NBA right now. Uh, we're about a third of the way through the season. Uh, in the East, you have Toronto uh, with a two-and-a-half game lead over Milwaukee and Indy, a team that Shay called early in the season as a team to look out for. Uh, with just the nucleus that Indy was putting together with Oladipo and some of the players around them. Um, interesting fact, though, about the East, um, Shay, you probably have paid attention to this, only six, only the top six teams in the East have winning records. Only the top six. Mm-hmm. Now let's go over to the West. You have, surprisingly, Dave Dillon-Schneider, your Denver Nuggets, yep. uh, mm-hmm. mathematically in first place over Golden State Warriors and Oklahoma City with a one-game uh, trail in, in the West. 12 teams in the West have winning records. The top 12 teams in the West have winning records, only wow. six in the East. So clearly, as, as, we, as we guessed when, when LeBron went, went East, the power was going to shift, to the, or when LeBron went West, the power was going to shift, and it clearly the, the teams are in the East. So, Shay, kind of hit on the, the, the highlights of what you've seen so far in the NBA season. If you want to spend some time on Portland, I would love to hear what's going on with them. Guys, guys, I'll sum up the NBA really quickly. Um, the Western Conference is extremely tight right now. So you've got 14 out of the 15 teams in the Western Conference are uh, within six games of first place. So wow. everyone, everyone can can get in the playoffs in the West, with the exception of the Phoenix Suns. Which I'm sorry, Bill. This no, that's all right. right here. Yeah. This all is right. this Buccaneers is, Suns. Just keep rubbing it in. Great. <laughs> This may be the worst thing I've seen in professional sports what happened this week. I'm not sure if you guys saw it. So the Phoenix Suns are uh, in negotiation for a three-team trade uh, involving the the Memphis Grizzlies and the Washington Wizards here. Um, the commodity here is Trevor Ariza, a uh, long-term vet, won championships with the Lakers. He's actually in Phoenix. So what the Suns are looking to do is to move Trevor Ariza uh, they're going to move Trevor Ariza to Washington. Washington is trading Kelly Oubre and uh, Austin Rivers to, or excuse me, to Memphis, and Memphis is uh, trading Marsh, or excuse me, let's say Brooks. Okay, they're trading Brooks is the is the term and a second round pick. So the trade is extreme is finalized by the league. All it needs is signatures, uh, last signatures from the teams here. Um, the trade falls apart at the last minute when it gets to Phoenix and Phoenix thought they were getting Marshawn or excuse me, Dylan Brooks and not Marshawn Brooks. Oh, wow. And the entire trade falls apart in the very <laughs> last hour. <laughs> there's some, hey. uh, there's, there's some management <laughs> issues there that uh, may, might explain that six and 24 record. Uh, <laughs> sons are sporting right now. Oh my God. Hey, so are you, so are you, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, it's it's so bad. Now, I will give the Suns a break. They do have a new GM. James Jones is actually their GM. It's his first time in a, in a front office role. James Jones, ironically enough, um, is the only – well, excuse me. Every championship that LeBron James has won, James Jones has been on this team. So he was with James Jones in Miami. He was with James Jones in Cleveland. And this is his first front office job, and it's uh, not off to a good start. He's not the old tailback from the Detroit Lions, James Hill. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Shay, are you, if, if I'm a Philly fan, am I still trusting the process or what's going on there, man? 
the process has fall, fallen apart as far as the analytics of it. Um, <laughs> but the the Seventy Sixers are definitely a really good team. I think that uh, I think it's a three team race in the East. You're looking at uh, at Toronto, and you're looking at Milwaukee, and then Philadelphia. Unless gotta, Boston makes a move. I got a question about Toronto. So they were a good team last year, right? They just you know LeBron LeBron them again. But talk about yeah. how, how I mean Kawhi Leonard's that much of a difference for that team. Well, it, it's a couple of different things, right? So Toronto is Kawhi that that much of a difference? Absolutely, because he's a different type of player than DeRozan. Um, Kawhi is an elite defender, and offensively, he gives you different looks than DeRozan. He's able to stretch the floor. He's able to keep the ball in his hands. Whereas DeRozan is more of a mid-range type guy, and he's going to pound the ball into the into the court and not really involve others as much. Um, you're looking at Kawhi, who can who can post uh, post up smaller guards, and then he can extend it and knock down open jump shots uh, behind the line where DeRozan couldn't. So it, it's 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 a few different things there. Defensively, he just adds so much to the mix there in Toronto. Mm. Shane, let, me you, let me ask you a question about what I think might be one of the most improved teams from last year to this year, and that's the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki uh, just came back, and I believe he he started. Uh, he was he was injured. Begin the season, but he, I believe he either set or or became the longest tenured player with one team, either 19 or 21 years with the Mavericks. Wow. Um, but what he's doing and what Luka Doncic, you know, I'm hearing a lot of comparisons to an, a young Larry Bird with Doncic. Um, I don't watch a lot of the NBA, but what I see of this guy on the highlights is, is pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, so 21 seasons. Dirk played his first game this week, and uh, they made 21 seasons there in Dallas. Um, we talked about it, Todd. You and I have talked about it on here and offline. Uh, Luca, you can't compare Luca to anyone that's come before him. He's a pro. Mm. He's a pro. He shook up the European League last year. Well, in the last two years, really. And um, you're able to really – he's able to really showcase his skills because he has professionals around him. You've got a good coaching staff there in Dallas, and you're playing with guys like like Harrison Barnes and J.J. Barea and – you know, um, DeAndre Jordan. So the little things that he does on the basketball court is really what sets him apart. He can go out and, and score 30 points every night. If He may not look good doing it, but he looks good at doing the small things that makes everybody else around him great. You know, Shay, you just you just made a great point. You, you named some people that maybe aren't going to be confused for all-stars, but they've been in the league and they kind of know how to position themselves and, and, and put themselves in a position where – the other teams have to respect them because if, if they're going to double team or triple team Luca, he's going to find those guys and they're going to get two points or three points and go the other way. Right. And so it's, I mean, it's a really, uh, Luca is that versatile of a person that he can be pretty much a, a one through four on the court. Right. Yeah. Luke, I mean, Luca can play definitely one through three. A lot of times we don't talk about, and this isn't just the NBA, it's all professional sports. The average career isn't that long. I think it's what, four and a half years, 4.6 years or something like that. In the Roughly, NBA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three and three so point- when, Three, uh, three and three games in the NFL. <laughs> so, Literally. I mean, you look. <laughs> Go ahead. You take a team like the Mavericks, right? So four out of their, excuse me, well, didn't it, three out of their five starters have been in the league at least eight years. And so you, you're dealing with veterans. There's a reason they're around the NBA that long. They have to be pretty good at what they do. And they have to understand the game and understand how to be professionals and understanding the grind and the intricacies of how to move and spacing in the NBA. And so when you deal with you, you take someone like Luca, who is a rookie technically, but he's been playing professional basketball since he was 16 years old. 
Mm. You're just adding to that. I mean, you're just adding to it. And then you got Rick Carlisle, which is, in my opinion, one of the top five coaches in the league. They're a threat now. And you have an owner that's not afraid to spend money to do, to get back, right? Yeah. Todd, what do you got? So uh, the reason I say three years, three games in the NFL, so the average NFL career is three years, three games. Guess when your pension kicks in if you're an NFL player? Three years, five games. games. Four, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. That's the, that's the only reason I know that. So um, two things uh, NBA-wise, and I'll turn it back over to Shay to, to finish up, but my Hawks are really bad. They're almost as bad as Phoenix. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Six and, six and 23, they have a 207 winning percent versus Phoenix is 200. First um, team in the East, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you haven't already watched it, it was all over uh, social media this weekend. Check out Barkley and his man, Lynn. Um, what a great story. I don't know if you guys heard about it, but just uh, he's kind of pseudo polarizing. I think most people tend to like Barkley, but if you had any doubt, you'll read the story and you'll fall in love with Charles Barkley. It's just a great story. Yeah, I agree on that. Shay, anything else jumping out to you in the, in the NBA? Any, any stories, any, um, you know, what's, what's going on with, what's going on with Houston, Houston, uh, <laughs> You know, they're struggling 14-14. They came into the season one of the favorites in the West. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, you add too many pieces to the pot and you kind of disrupt chemistry a little. So uh, I think that now that Carmelo Anthony is no longer in Houston, they're starting to kind of figure it out. They had a really big win against the Lakers this week. And uh, I think they'll start to figure it out. Like I said, it's a log jam in the West. So they're, they're not too far behind. They can easily get back in the race. Yeah, that LeBron James game, uh, um, 50 points for uh, Harden. Harden. Yeah, he looked good, didn't he? Oh, I got, I got one more nugget, and I know we want to talk some football here. Um, a Denver nugget? Uh, <laughs> ah. Good one. Good one. Uh, Los Angeles Lakers yesterday uh, at the Charlotte Hornets, the first time in, uh, I want to say it was like uh, 40-some years that they've had combined triple doubles on the same team. Lonzo Ball and LeBron James both go for a triple-double yesterday. So that was huge. That was huge. Yeah, pretty big. What's the the vibe in Denver uh, with the Nuggets having a good start? Well, I think Shay would agree. I mean, it's a team of of no-names. I mean, people know Jokic. uh, They know Millsap. uh, Maybe they know Plumlee. But their guards, I mean, nobody knows them, but they play really well as a team. And as you said, I mean, they're leading the West right now in percentage points. They've lost out on the playoffs the last two years by one game. Uh, this year could be the year that they actually make it to the playoffs. So uh, people are getting excited about them. But if, if you guys have ever been out here to Denver, you know it's all Broncos all the time, and the Broncos suck. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, they blew the game yesterday, clearly. Yep, the, they did. the Browns won that game. They won it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, that may, first, that may have been a, first, that may first, been a parlay first, killer. First, first win for Cleveland since 1990 in the Mile yep. High. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Broncos are uh, a dumpster fire, but uh, but now people will start to get into the Nuggets a little bit more and the Avalanche. And the Avalanche. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, both both of them playing well. So obviously bring a lot of activity to downtown uh, Denver. So oh, it's great. Uh, let, it's great. Let's segue. Shay, any, anything else on the NBA? No, we're good, man. I All like man. the Nuggets, man. Yeah. And I know Shay, you're gonna you're gonna miss the next couple weeks because you have some Sunday night games out in Portland. So we'll uh, we'll miss your insights, but hopefully we can hit you on the uh, on the text stream and as as well as on Twitter to get some insights as to what, what's going on. Is uh, Portland playing Christmas Day or they're not in that docket? 
We are. We are in Salt Lake City. We're playing the Utah Jazz on Christmas Day, the late yeah. game. Okay. That means Bill and Todd and I will not be watching. We won't see <laughs> the end of the game. <laughs> East Coast, baby, it's tough. <laughs> I tell you, it's a great thing Denver. about living in the West is you get all your games two hours oh. early, at least in, in Denver. Yeah. Bill, you don't know anything about that, do you? Stop, stop it. So, so, so <laughs> David and David, I grew up in San Diego. Oh, yeah. I moved to Phoenix, and so I've only been on the East Coast for two years, and this oh. is killing me. I, I <laughs> we warned you. We warned you, Bill. We I know. You. It's- <laughs> he used to laugh at us when we said, like, yeah, we didn't see the end of the game. And he's like, what, what do you mean? What it are you a, talking about? It was a like, great game. Why would you not watch the end of it? And Because uh, it was 2.45 in the morning. That's although I did stay up for the end of the Chargers-Chiefs game. That was very interesting. Yeah. That was a good game. So, yeah, right? Yeah. All, All right. right. So let's, let's, that's a good segue into the NFL. Uh, let's, let's talk about – uh, Thursday's game, uh, Chargers Chiefs, uh, mm. back and forth. Um, you know, B- Bill, I said it to you on a text thread, and you said that's the way he's always been. But Phil Rivers, to me, looked just like he was like on two braces, and he, lo- he looked like Forrest Gump before he broke out. Uh, you know, and became Dude, Forrest Gump. He, I'm he, telling you, in 19 or t- 2005, that's what Philip looked like. I mean, he's always been the slowest guy with the most unconventional throwing motion. All he does is complete passes, you know, but, yeah. uh, but you cannot ask him to scramble. He's good for like three steps in the pocket, but once he has to actually break into what you, what, what some people consider, I don't know, a, I don't know if it's a trot or <laughs> it's not a run. <laughs> He's, you know, it's just who he is. And, you know, uh, David D, you know, you, you've been, you've been in Denver. Uh, I've been out for I, 20 years, man. So I've yeah, not seen, seen Philip do a lot with the Broncos and, and go both ways. You know, it's yeah. been a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I, I, I have to just call out one thing because I, I <laughs> there was when you had McDaniels as a head coach, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. never leave me. the fact that they beat Belichick on a Monday night to go six and oh, the Broncos and the Broncos did not win the division that year. The Chargers did at eight and eight. Right. Yeah. Remember how crazy Daniels went on the sideline? Oh, when he it ran down the entire yard yeah. sprint, kind of like and just showing up Belichick, I guess. I don't know what he was thinking. Now they're back. They're friends again, I guess. But I'll never forget that game. And then and the Broncos ended up not, um, yeah, not winning the division. So, so I'm on Team Bill. If you have Bernie Kosar, Dan Fouts, and Philip Rivers in a sprint, I'm not. Betting, I'm not betting on Rivers. I mean, there's no way. There's no I, way. I, I think Dan Fouts today beats Philip Rivers. I mean, Dan Fouts in his 60s beats Philip Rivers. Uh, yeah, yeah. But listen, the uh, you know the the game was back and forth Thursday night. Uh, oh. Not going to spend too much time on this game, but but the the fourth down pass to Mike Williams mm-hmm. um, that Philip threw that that pass into. You know, anyone who's a, a football fan. You know, when they showed it from the side view and you saw like that little window that he put that ball into uh, and then and then, gosh, they get down there. You, you know, you just felt as the drive was happening that they were going to go for two, uh, the way the clock was working and just the time that they had and to, to, to not want to give the ball back to Mahomes with, with you know, or, or risk the overtime. But boy, what a breakdown on that two point conversion, huh? Yeah. I mean, it happens, right? Um, but you just don't expect to see it <laughs> at that part of the game where. Um, uh, to have a guy with nobody within 15 yards, that's pretty amazing on a two-point conversion. So yeah, the yeah. first two the first two NFL Saturday games, which always catches people off guard a little bit. Yeah. Um, we had the the uh, Texans play a, a pretty gamey Jets team. Uh, Texans win and put a kind of stranglehold on the South. Although although the Colts are right there, um, and then and then the Cleveland Browns going to Denver uh, and Baker Mayfield is 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 
getting some fans around the country uh, with just what he's doing. The Scrappy Browns uh, with a, a lot of good run, a lot of good, uh, you know, Denzel Ward from Ohio State in, in the defense, and uh, and you know, I, I think what Nick Chubb's doing in the backfield is is pretty solid and pretty fun. Um, any thoughts on the Saturday games from anybody on the on the call tonight? Well, Danny. Chubb earned his keep uh, at the end of that game when he you know blasted off what was a forty yard run to yeah. to really kind of seal it. And um, I'm really impressed by the Browns, and I think Mayfield is kind of the, the real deal. Um, I, I'd actually like to have him as opposed to Case Keenum, uh, but that's just, you know, like, <laughs> what? Hey, hey so, David S., who do you – are you – so you're in South Carolina. Are you a Panthers fan? Are you a Falcons fan? Are you a so, – Whichever <laughs> one's winning is who we're going to pull for. Um, that's good. You know, Atlanta and uh, Charlotte are both you know, great cities, but they're – Front runner cities, front runner cities. When the yeah. when the Braves are doing well and winning, it's awesome. When the Falcons, the couple times they are winning, you know, it's packed. It's a great place. Panthers, you know, beginning the season, everybody was all fired up about them. Now they're on a, a big skid. So, uh, me personally, I usually pull for teams that have clubs and players. So right now, I'm obviously a, a huge uh, Texans fan. Yeah. And, uh, Mike Williams had an absolute incredible game the other night, especially the fourth quarter and the two-point conversion. Yep. Um, so that's, that's, that's where my allegiance typically go to. Yeah, you know, David, that's funny because most true college fans that, that watch football NFL on Sunday just because they're sports fans also, but they, they do kind of watch their teams. Like I was I – I hate the Steelers, but every time Joe Hayden would make a good play, you know, I, I just would get excited, you know, as a, as a you know, former Florida cornerback. So I, I agree. And David, I'm sure, you know, through your history, you know, every time Tim Brown would score a touchdown, you know, whether it was with the Raiders, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just what we do as, as college fans. And, and, you know, so it's, it, you know, Shea goes back to his, his Auburn days and Bo Jackson and any of the, any of the players from, from there, Cam Newton, right? Yeah. We can't get Cam Newton. Why do we have to go all the way back to Bo? <laughs> <laughs> that was going to my time. <laughs> Bo Jackson, just do it. Come on, that campaign was amazing. Uh, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be Stidham next year. because hey, we, we already talked about Barkley and now Cam Newton and Bo Jackson. Right. We, Auburn's yeah. had plenty of love on this episode. That's I right. Want to talk, I want to talk to the two Gators on the podcast. So are you, like, proud of Antonio Callaway? <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll, I will claim him as a, as a Gator. You know what I mean? Okay. It's where, where he played his game. You know, he, he made a – he was a college kid. He made a mistake. I mean, I, also he's not making mistakes in the pros too, though. He he had some, he uh, some weed. God, yeah, he's just gotta get it. Yeah. He's just gotta figure out. David Dillon, David Dillon is like weed. We've had that for like five years in Denver. Yeah, come on. <laughs> that, that's why they want to come here and play. Get get with it. <laughs> yeah, funny. Um, all right, so let's move. To, let's move to today's games. Um, Bill, let's start with you. What was your What was your game you were watching early? Um, and, and any any other thoughts on the one o'clock games? No, I, um, I really I didn't pay too much attention to it early. You know, we're in the middle of a move, um, you know, so I didn't kind of cover the 1 o'clock stuff. But I will just jump in real quick, and I'll, I'll put my piece in here. Watching the uh, Patriots-Steelers is always a lot of fun. I mean, they're two mm. teams that most of the country hates, to be brutally honest, because I just think crappy fan bases that are, like, way too arrogant about their <laughs> Super Bowl titles. I don't know, whatever. Don't be, don't be shy, Bill. Whatever the guy <laughs> from San Diego thinks, it's never experienced a national championship of any kind. Um, but the um, – <laughs> But, you know, to watch that game and see Brady not come back and to see that the Patriots are like, they're, they're crapping away their, their, their normal home, home field advantage and bye week, right? They've, the Texans have moved ahead of them. So, and the Chargers or Chiefs will probably claim the other, obviously. So 
Patriots, um, it feels like you're seeing the end of it. You know, we've talked a little bit this year. The end of it's kind of coming, right? Brady's old, Belichick's, you know, probably ready to do something different or retire. And it's going to be um, interesting to watch. So that was my game. Mark the tape. Mark the tape. 9.40 p.m. is when Bill Risser called out Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and said they would not move on. Uh, So when they they win the Super Bowl, we'll we'll go back to this moment and (laughs) – yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, Sean. I just don't. Yeah, I, don't, I, mean, I, I, don't I know. Just, I mean, it's, it's just feels, it feels look, way different this year. Way different. Ne- neither do the Falcons. Uh, <laughs> who, who, on this, who on this panel, who on this call, uh, watched watch that game today when it was 17-10 with two, two minutes and 28 seconds to go with Brady taking the ball that didn't think it was going to be a tie game at the end of the game? I mean, you know, you go in assuming he's going to. I thought, yeah, yeah you assume it. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bill, it's like a match play, right? What do they teach you when you start playing match play against people? You assume, assume everybody's going to make, make their the shot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it seems like that, that, that generation, Sean, of, of quarterbacks, whether it's Brady, uh, Roethlisberger, Matty Ice. Breeze. Uh, Breeze. Yeah. Um, and then Aaron Rodgers. I mean, look at Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Oh, my gosh. That, that, that generation. Money in two minutes, yeah. They're on the way down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, a trend. How about the Cowboys coming in uh, on a big roll and just getting their asses beat from the start? I mean, it was a absolute beatdown. Uh, it was bad calls, bad coaching, uh, bad effort. Um, Drew Dak Prescott looked horrible. Uh, Indianapolis's defensive line was constantly in the backfield. That was a surprising. I think a lot of people picked Dallas. I, I'm not sure. I think Dallas might have been an underdog. Todd, at, they were. At, yep. Maybe it was, it was, I think it was three. three. Yeah. Yeah. But boy, that was a, that was probably one of the surprising earlier games um, on the docket. How about David Seaver and our, and my Falcons? Yeah. They did pretty well today, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Killed it. Um, I'm not really calling the Falcons my team. They did better than the Panthers, right? So that's. <laughs> yeah. They got tomorrow night against the Saints. I, okay. Yes, I agree. Uh, my favorite game today was Buffalo Detroit, the lonesome yeah. losers. Wow. Uh, what great game. 14, 13 love. Um, Detroit may have the best uniforms in football, but how do you battle the bills wearing all the red? Yes, I mean, come that was, on. That's amazing. It's amazing. Todd, you'll, that you'll a Christmas homage or what? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you'll love this story, Todd. I was listening to like ESPN driving and the, uh, you know, they're wrapping up, they're kind of paying attention to all the games. They've got stringers at every game calling in the scoring plays, keep fans. Sure. <laughs> fantasy people yep. happy and they said there were nine morning games and they had eight monitors and they couldn't there's one game they had to kick out that's beautiful that's yeah. beautiful yeah. yeah sorry no i love it i, I would do the same i'm sure yeah. look the bears the bears uh win and they are you know they are they won they the uh north right legitimately yep. a um they're they're a philadelphia win tonight away from possibly scaring into uh you know, home field, you know, I, I know the Rams would still have to lose two, uh, but they're looking to at least have, uh, you know, uh, a, a shot. If they can – boy, can you imagine if that NFC championship game is played in Chicago uh, with that defense? Cold. That'd be pretty cold. Yeah. yeah. Um, Packers eliminated from the playoffs. Um, mm. Vikings, you know, um, Dolphins came in off a big, big emotional win. Uh, they, they lose. Redskins beat the Jaguars. Jaguars, you know, obviously now looking at Will Greer or, uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins or somebody to try and save that train wreck. Um, Ravens suddenly in the first place in the AFC North um, mm. because of the tie to the Browns. The Steelers s- still in that fifth slot wild card uh, place. Uh, Ravens have a big game. I believe they play 
I think Cleveland plays Cincinnati this week, and then they end the season at Baltimore. Um, so Cleveland's still not mathematically eliminated. And then, Shay, your uh, uh, Seahawks go down to the 49ers. What happened there? Overtime. Oh, man, that's so, that's so <laughs> low, right? Like, how do you what lose a, to the Niners? Segue, huh? What a segue. <laughs> Thanks. You lose to a team that's purposely trying to lose to get a right. better draft pick. <laughs> after after but such it, an emotional win last week, right? It's I mean, it's the NFL any given Sunday, right? Any yeah. given Sunday. I, I know it was a short week, but that Monday night game was a I mean that they they that was a good effort by Seattle defense. They that was a stout game. Yeah, and, and they're still in the hunt for the wild card, so they're still okay. They're safe for now. But uh, it's it's getting tight. Seattle still has that first wild card spot, and I think uh, Minnesota's just behind them with Washington and Carolina uh, on the outside looking in. All right, all right, guys. Let's turn to college. Let's wrap up uh, the show and, and and spend a lot of time here. On first of all, the college bowl season is off to a, a good start. Shay, you have not I missed he's won it. You've declared he's won it already. I so. know. I heard that. Well, I, Bill, I, we I should just give up, right? I just I mean, think he's I, kicking some ass, but I there's Sean, <laughs> Sean, Sean, he's kicking your ass. We have to he's make sure <laughs> leave Bill and I out of this. He's kicking my ass, but okay. in a couple in a couple games by the by by the weekend, I could be back in it. Right? Yeah. I need there's forty bowl games. You got a lot of you got a long ways to go. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately a lot of us just went across the board and chalk on, on some of the, the picks. There's uh, actually forty two, but who's counting, right? Yes, yes, once you add in the championships. Um That's right. But did you did you guys see anything in the bowl in the first five bowl games or six bowl games that you uh, want to bring up, or can you even name any of the six bowl games that, that happened? So I watched a little uh, bit of the Sun Devils against Fresno State, yeah, and so they I, gave them a game. They really gave them a game, but I think ultimately Fresno State's a much better team, and uh, good for Herm. You know, he got seven went seven and six this year. I don't think anyone expected that. Uh, expected the Sun Devils to even think about making a bowl game especially with both the OC and DC bailing when the mm. was hired. So yeah. um, good for him. It's, 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 that's a great story. It's just a great story. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's just a, uh, Sean, a great uh, six bowls to kick off the, arguably the most fun season in all sports college, college yeah. bowls. Right. So it was fun. I loved it. Uh, Georgia Southern Eastern Michigan was probably the best game. 23. That was a, that was a great finish of that ball game. We were at a restaurant eating dinner and I looked up and, because Clemson played Georgia Southern, so I had a little interest yeah. in that game. And yeah. uh, Eastern Michigan scores with what a minute to go, two minutes to go, and yeah. Georgia yeah. Southern drives down, has a fourth down play, and quarterback scrambles, makes an unbelievable play to get about 20, 25 yards to set up the game-winning field goal. Mm. Nice. nice. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And quick shout-out before we bring on our two guests. Um, uh, Todd, our, our boy Kerwin Bell leads Valdosta State. To yeah. the national championship. Uh, title Town, right? They were voted yeah. Title Town back in 2013, I think. Yeah, so so pretty cool that uh Kerwin Bell, the throwing Mayoan uh from yep. Mayo, Florida, uh leads him to the championship. But all right, boys, let's uh let's turn our attention to the first of the playoff games. Let me let me play a little um uh segue here. Listen to this.
It's a little David and David. Welcome to the Boomtown from 1986. <laughs> Good. Wow. 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 I went back on that one. Wow. Uh, from the album Boomtown. Let's bring in David and David. We have David Seaver from uh, Greenville, South Carolina, Clemson graduate. David, what year did you graduate from Clemson? Uh, I finally got out of there in 97. I was having a good time. Uh, so I want to stay as long as possible, but I finally got out of there in 97. So why don't you tell judgment us? Free zone, David. <laughs> <laughs> and, and David Dylan Schneider from Notre Dame. Uh, David, you graduated from Notre Dame in 90? 89. 89. No, that's Sean, right. Sean, you're the one who took the extra year. I took two extra years, my friend. <laughs> so, hey, David. David, you, David, you... David, remember, I went to Florida and not South Bend. All right, oh, that's true. Ouch. And I've been there. I've been there, and I understand why you took a couple extra years. <laughs> David, so, let's... so Notre Dame, David, uh, were you there in the Golic years then? Were they playing uh, at that time? I think he was just before me. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, he just just got out and got in the NFL. Yeah. Well, let's, let's start with you, David Dillon Schneider. We'll go alphabetical. David Dillon Schneider, why don't you give the, give the stare down audience just a little brief background on yourself from your uh, Notre Dame days and what you're doing these days. Sure. Uh, as I said, 89 grad. Uh, my wife is an 89 grad. Uh, I, I, I did count, and I think I have 37 uh, pieces of Notre Dame clothing. Uh, and my son's name, uh, middle name is Rockney. Uh, so we got it pretty bad in our family. Oh. Um, and, uh, but uh, we had a great season, um, and I'm happy to be on this call and talk this out with uh, Seaver. Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting game, quite honestly. All right, good. And you're in Denver now, and you're, you've been an attorney uh, since you got out of school, but what are you doing these days? So, yeah, I used to be an attorney, did that till about 1998. Then I moved with my wife out to Denver, Colorado, worked for a company called LexisNexis, and now mm. I do contract work for them, uh, just uh, on a kind of a random haphazard basis. And uh, love life in, in Denver, but it's always good to go back to uh, Ohio and see you, Sean, and see yep. Matt and, and hang out with my family. And your daughter just headed off to college in the past year. She's yeah, yeah. She's at the new school in uh, New York. So I have a question for David Notre Dame. David, do you hand out Comp Lexus Nexus accounts? I'm just curious. About <laughs> ah, so yeah, at least you've heard of it. <laughs> no, I know what it is. Yeah, <laughs> research. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, David does a lot of training and speaking for them. That's awesome. cool. Yeah, actually, it's very similar to what Sean Sean does. Uh, a lot of uh, presentations, uh, public speaking, that sort of thing. Awesome. Awesome. Let's go to David Siebert. David, tell us about yourself. Kind of, kind of, what brought you? Uh, to, are you a are you a South Carolinian born and raised? Yeah, my um, dad was in the military, and then he retired when I was uh, when I was four. So we've been in Greenville for about forty four years now. So Greenville's home. Uh, went off to Clemson, uh, came home, uh, worked in telecom for a little bit, and then about fifteen years uh, been in the real estate business. So, David, when you uh, when you were thinking of colleges, was South Carolina and Clemson was it between those two, or or had you just been a Clemson fan and it was no chance of South Carolina? So, when we, when we moved here, um, my dad was a huge college football fan, and my mother went to South Carolina, and mm-hmm. she said, "Well, let's let's go to games down there." And he said, "I'm not taking my kids to the games down there. They're all at night. They're too young." And she goes, "Well, my cousin went to Clemson. Maybe we can go to those games." So the whole reason that. I'm a Clemson fan is because we always played in the, in the daytime. Well, Interesting. Awesome. Yeah. And I believe you have a daughter who's going to school where? Um, <clears throat> thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. And actually, oh. my, uh, my wife is a Gamecock. Uh, we actually um, were working at a same bank uh, when I was finishing school. And I either won the bet, lost the bet. Either way, after that game, Clemson lost. We started dating from then on out. And, uh, <laughs> 
It sounds like you won the bet. Yeah, I did. I lost the battle, yeah. won the war. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my my daughter, who is uh, Caitlin, she's a freshman down at Carolina, uh, and had a great first semester. Um, still trying to think that she still has Clemson a little bit in her heart, but um, you still have a good time. So <laughs> did you do you call her after the game's over this year? Like you know, when Clemson took care of South Carolina, is there a phone call from dad to daughter? Well, she was she was with me. She sat with me during the oh, game. Okay. Gotcha. Most, most points scored against Clemson this year, by the way. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so David, you, uh, you're you're selling real estate in Greenville, which is, I mean, I was there on Wednesday first, just a quick visit as I went down to Carolina to drive Riley home. Uh, boy, that town, that whole downtown area has just absolutely. I mean, you must have. I mean, you don't even recognize it from what you saw as a, as a youth, right? No, gr- growing up when we I grew up on the east side, uh, out Palm Road near the airport. And we'd go into town for church and then come right out of there. Uh, downtown was dead. Uh, when I was coming back from school uh, in Clemson, they would, friends were saying, hey, let's go downtown. I'm going, uh, I'm not sure what you're into, but I don't think we want to do that. Uh, but it, it really changed in the late, uh, late 80s, early 90s. Um, and it's just unbelievable right now. And I think you've, you've probably found every brewery that's available uh, in, in, the, in the town so far. Not yet, Funny, but willing to, willing to try. Yes. There you go. Funny, Sean and I would have been like, what are you into? Instead of, I'm not sure. What you're into. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, boys, so let's talk about the uh, the games coming up. The Cotton Bowl is going to be on uh, December 29th. Uh, 4 p.m. is the kickoff. Uh, 13-0 Clemson versus 12-0 Notre Dame. Um, this is going to be a game that, uh, you know, you got two teams that uh, either, either – um, Either opponent or either uh, negative Nancy could say, well, they didn't really play anybody. ACC is kind of weak, and Notre Dame had a great schedule, but all the teams kind of turned out to be kind of shitty. Um, so let's just start, uh, and Todd and Shay and, and, and Bill jump in with questions. But, but I, I would just, before we kind of break down offense, defense, and I'm going to put David and David on the hot seats and say, like, all right, when, when Clemson has the ball, what are you looking forward to, David, and what, did, what does Dylan Shire need to do to stop? Um, but just your overall thoughts on, on, this, on the season to get to this point. Uh, let's start with you, David Seaver, because Clemson's the, the, the number two seed. Yeah, so we came into the season, obviously, with huge expectations with our uh, the defensive front all returning back. That was that was huge. And, uh, man, what what a great group of guys those guys uh, are and how they represent Clemson. Uh, you're talking about guys like Christian Watkins, Austin Bryant, Cleveland Farrell. I mean, Cleveland Farrell's probably, I'm going to guess, top five pick in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, outstanding guy. Hey, he – he could actually come back again, but I don't think he will. <laughs> um, you know, so our defense was intact. Offense, we knew coming in, we had Kelly Bryan, who led us to the playoff last year. And then we've got, you know, the hot shot gunslinger freshman coming in that had an incredible spring game that started turning heads. So it was going to be interesting to see how uh, their coaches were going to manage that transition. Um, and I think the – the best thing for Clemson did work out. Uh, hated for Kelly Bryant. He's a super kid. Um, and good luck to him at Missouri next year. Um, but, you know, Trevor Lawrence is just <laughs> a step above and, and can make throws that, that we haven't seen at Clemson, well, at least in two years. Actually, yeah. maybe even some throws that Sean Watson didn't throw. Mm. So they came and took care of business as, as, as needed. As I said, kind of the, the rivalry games when they – kind of their defense really got – I don't want to say testing because I don't think the game was ever in doubt, but they, you know, they gave up a lot of points. Um, 
Dylan Schneider on your side, Notre Dame, uh, they come in. I think, I think everybody said, look, if they can get through this gauntlet of a schedule, but the key was beating Michigan in that first game of the year um, to kind of get some, get some, get some of the naysayers off, off Kelly's back um, and really sort of say, what can this team do? But, but remember when you guys started the season, Devin Wimbush was, was quarterback. So kind of walk us through your season and where you saw Notre Dame's uh, growth happen. Right. And, and uh, Sean, I think you hit the nail on the head. The, the anticipation uh, was that USC would be very good. Virginia Tech would be very good. Stanford would be very good. And they all, we all thought Florida State was going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Florida State. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You think they're good. You know, you think those, that's a gauntlet we're expecting coming in maybe a, a nine and three, 10 and two season. So to be where we are right now, uh, we're just, honestly, we're a little bit lucky. Uh, I will also say I'm a fan of the eight-team playoff. Um, it's going to get there eventually. I would definitely throw Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, you know, but for, as you guys talked on the last podcast, the stupid fake punt call. Uh, <laughs> Fourth and, and UCF. You know, I wouldn't throw Florida in there because they just suck. But all the other <laughs> are the, Oh, UCF. UCF would be Gator, Are the Gators like the fourth or fifth best team in Florida? Oh, it could be. Six. I, think, I think six. I think six. six. But, uh, but Sean, to go back to, your, teams. Go back to your point, uh, the switch from Wimbush to Book uh, changed the team a lot. Uh, they became more of a passing team because Book, uh, as I think David Siever mentioned with Lawrence, he could hit the throws that Wimbush could. Wimbush is a better runner, but Book can hit the short passes. Wimbush was throwing those into the ground. And so um, – that, that kind of got us through the season. Defense helped a lot, no question. But uh, the offense kind of started coming around about that fourth game. All right. So let's, let's, um, let's, let's talk coaches. Uh, Seaver, obviously you're, you're thrilled with, with what Dabo's doing there. Uh, Alabama grad coming to Clemson. A uh, lot of talk, a lot of talk. You know, I won't put it out there, but a lot of talk that when Saban leaves, Dabo's going back to – Alabama, but I think what he's building now, four straight consecutive appearances in the college football championship uh, playoffs, um, you know, what he's doing there, what, what has he brought to, to Clemson that you've seen uh, since Terry Bowden left? Uh, Tommy Bowden. Not Tommy Bowden. Tommy, yeah. Um, he's just changed the culture. Uh, and it's truly just a, a family environment that, they, that the team has um, with everything they do. You know, one of the things that he does that's unique is every Wednesday um, after practice, all the families come in and have dinner together with the uh, coaches' wives, parents that they're in town, come have dinner. It just has fostered a great environment that's been great for recruiting as well. And, it, nice. again, he's also gone out and got some pretty good coaches too. Yeah. David, obviously Brian Kelly's probably one of those coaches that you love him. Uh, a, lot of the, a, lot of the, a lot of the rest of the fans don't like him. Um, what's, what's been the vibe since he got there and, and really, um, has, has done it his way. Let's just say that. Sure. As of a couple of years ago, everyone hated him, uh, <laughs> particularly because he uh, brought in uh, defensive, uh, coach Van Gorder, hmm. uh, who Clemson dropped 77 points on this year in uh, Louisville. Um, the guy was a disaster, but in the last two years, I think, uh, the fans have come around and recognize that Kelly has made some changes in the coaches, um, handing play calling off to the offensive coordinator, things of that nature, made a ballsy decision to switch from Wimbush to Book, uh, the quarterbacks. Um, but I think he's putting it together now, and the fans are coming around. 2012 was a fluky year to be in that national championship game against Alabama. They won a lot of games by a couple points. 
I think they're a little bit more legit this year. I'm not going to go out on a limb and guarantee a victory, but I think they're a much better team than that 2012 team. Interesting. All right, so, Bill, what should we do first? Should we do Clemson on offense, or should we do – Sean, you just keep running this. I'm, I'm back in. We're just kicking back and listening to these two guys. I love it. <laughs> Shay, jump in. I, I've got one question before we start to break this down, and I guess this is more for David Seaver. So last time you guys played uh, Notre Dame was what, 2014, 2015? 2015. The hurricane game. Right, right, that was the hurricane game. So after the game, Dabo goes on a rant about this is a bring your own guts game. Like, are we going to get another BYOG game? (laughs) (laughs) That's what's been great about Dabo is he has come up with so many great one-liners, whether or not they're rehearsed beforehand or off the cuff, but um, that's just his excitement. And I mean, that's his other – the fun is in the winning, and that's uh, that's one of his main uh, – He's like a Christian Spurrier, you know. He he, he says stuff that just gets people fired up, uh, you know. Uh, but, he, yeah, he's done well. And I see. I think you see that on the college level with some of these coaches like Dabo that you don't see on the pro level. There's yeah. just this excitement. He's into it. Um, that's a great thing, uh, I, I believe, in the college game. Yeah, yeah, we're seeing that with Mullen a little bit too, aren't we, Todd? Todd, you want to? You had your hand up. I want to. Yeah. So um, Dabo is maybe arguably the most likable, one of the most likable coaches in, in college football, and I think um, Brian Kelly might be one of the <laughs> likable, right? And, yeah. But but if he strings together some good seasons, a la Saban, I mean, if Saban didn't win, we'd all think he's the biggest asshole. Pardon my French of all time, yeah. right? So. Give him some time. Um, I want to throw before Sean breaks it down quickly. It's a 13 and a half point spread Clemson. Um, is that fair? What do you think about that? So from my perspective, this is Dylan Schneider. My perspective, as I said, Notre Dame can win this game. Uh, I don't know if it's 13. Um, and that, seems, that seems a lot, but for Notre Dame to win this game, they can't make mistakes. They gave up kickoff returns for touchdowns to Michigan and Pittsburgh. You know, you can't have illegal procedure penalties. You can't have turnovers. I mean, against, in the USC game, Book threw a, an interception in the touchdown, or excuse me, in the end zone uh, near the end of the game, which was just ridiculous. You can't have, um, uh, you know, targeting penalties, things like that. If yeah. Notre Dame plays that kind of perfect game, um, they can win this game. If things kind of go south, and we'll talk about offense, defense. Um, it could it could be a thirteen, it could be a fourteen point game, no question at all. It's not going to be the beatdown that Clemson put on Ohio State a couple years ago, but um, it's it, it, thirteen may not be bad depending on obviously kind of where things fall. Yeah, good call, David. I, you know, if you watch, you know, the game that Bill referenced earlier, the the Patriots um, Steelers game, Patriots the least penalized team in the league. They had nine pre snap penalties. Yeah. Today. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing you're talking about, like that yeah. mental nervousness. And, and, and that's maybe where we can start because I think, David, your team coming in, they, with the exception of Kelly Bryant or with the exception of uh, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, they've been in this game. Dabo's been in this game. Yeah. He's going to understand all the press conferences, all the, all the, you know, all the rigmarole before the hand. This, these players have been there before. It's a business trip, so to speak. And, and a lot of people you know, have, have said Clemson's season starts now, whereas Notre Dame's was all to get here. And so mm-hmm. uh, let's start, let's start offense defense and, and David, let's, let's walk us through. Um, let's, let's put all Clemson on offense. 
David, you're on defense. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback, 66% completion rate, uh, threw for almost 2,500 yards. The quarterbacks are actually pretty similar numbers. 22 TDs, four interceptions. Let's just start there with your quarterback, and then we'll kind of break down what you think Clemson needs to do to attack Notre Dame's defense. So it starts with the quarterback, but also um, getting our running running game established. Travis Etienne has had a, an incredible year. And actually have uh, two other good backs behind him, actually three. Um, but if ETA can get going, um, that opens up the passing game that much more, opens up the play-action play to throw it to uh, – we got some frisbee-catching dogs out there in number eight, <laughs> number five. That's, um, they're phenomenal. That's good stuff. That's anyway, a, of course, that's uh, right there. That, that, tweet, that, that tweet's going out right now. Hold on. Right, go ahead. And when, it, <laughs> and when it's third, it's third and five, um, look for Renfro because they're going to throw it to him because nobody can cover him. Yeah, and that, there's that guy that seems like he's been there for 11 years, right? I mean, Antoine Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was at Michigan forever, right? So, so David, now um, Trevor is not really a running quarterback, right? He, he's not a – they'll do a couple design runs. He's not, a, obviously, a Kelly Bryant runner. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson was a good runner, but they did a lot of design runs with him also. But he's got deceptive speed. Uh, there was actually a run – uh, in the ACC championship game where he actually was outrunning the running uh, ETN to get out there and make a block. So he's got, he's got good speed. So, David, Clemson scored a lot of points this year. Um, they are, you know, obviously uh, 530 yards on offense um, versus Notre Dame's defense giving up 331 yards. So there's a 200-yard gap there. Who's going to win that, 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 you know, like you said, ETN, if, if, if they can establish a run, all of a sudden those, those frisbee-catching dogs on the outside uh, are going to go loose. We'll talk about your defense, David, but what's your thoughts? So yeah. the, the other, Go well, ahead, David. The, the other key thing is the big plays. I mean, Clemson's big on uh, big plays, over 20, 30 yards. So I think we're one of the tops in the country. And I think Notre Dame was one of the tops in the country in limiting the big plays. So I think that's going to be the, one of the keys on our offense is are they going to make us – you know, go 80 yards in 10, 11, 12 plays, uh, you know, and, and can we do that and not get not get greedy, not get excited and try to make the big play? So nice. for what the defense is going to give us. So, David, put your defense on the field. How's Notre Dame going to stop? Sure. The D-backs are, are solid. Uh, Julian Love is an All-American, uh, great, uh, a great defender of the receivers. Um, if it were me – uh, it, it, well, it comes down to our D line and our linebackers. If it were me, I'd blitz every single play uh, to put uh, Lawrence under some pressure. But that's why I'm not a coach, so uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, but I think both from both um, the Notre Dame offense and the Notre Dame defensive perspective, it all comes down to the line, the offensive and the defensive lines. If Notre Dame can put pressure, if we can stop the run, we got a chance. Um, if we don't, that's when it can kind of go downhill. If they, you know, ETN starts having big chunk runs, um, then you got a problem. Dilly, I think I think you can agree with me. Um, the strength of your of your defense is the secondary, and if the so if the front seven can, like you said, put that pressure. That Gilman kid uh, who plays yeah. your safety is just a ball hawk. I mean, he is a he is a NFL ready player right now. Um, and and like you said, if they can just somehow free up some space for him to not have to worry about double teaming anybody. 
to which David's point earlier uh, with the, with the talent they have at the wide receivers, right. he's only going to be able to pick one side of the field, but I like him a lot. Can you talk about his, what he's done with his team this year? I mean, he's, he's been solid. I, I, I can't believe the guy was playing for Navy uh, because uh, Gilman has been, you know, he transferred to Notre Dame, got to uh, play for us this year. I think maybe he has one more year of eligibility. As you said, the guy's a, a ball hawk and he uh, provides uh, the secondary with another a high quality player besides Julian Love. But the key is, you know, with the receivers that Clemson has, you you, you got to look back at the ball when it's being thrown. You can't get interference calls because as you guys know, any football you watch, that is a killer is the interference calls. And if Notre Dame can avoid that, they got a chance. If they start uh, pushing, grabbing, holding, whatever, it's going to go downhill quickly. Hopefully Kelly has these guys a little better prepared than 2012 uh, having been there six years ago uh, and can get them mentally prepared, but it's going to come down to that. Yeah. I, I, you said it earlier, Dave, I, you talked about a discipline. You talked about not making mistakes uh, in college football, especially in the second half of this game, um, the defense, the pressure on the defense to not make that targeting play, because not only does it hurt him in that game, it, it could possibly take him out of the first half of the championship game. Right. Uh, really a tough call in college football that hopefully the, the rules committee gets together and figures that rule out this year because it's, it's, it's really one of the most misunderstood rules in all of college football. Uh, let's hope it doesn't go that. Um, all right, let's, let's flip the ball. Uh, Dave, you guys take the ball now. Uh, yep. Ian Book, your quarterback, uh, like we said, uh, he's 70% completion rate, just under 2,500 yards passing, 19 TDs with six interceptions. Um, what does Ian Book and the offense need to do with, with a pretty solid running back uh, of your own, Dexter Williams? Right. Um, what do they need to do to, to, to combat that, aggressive defense that, that Clemson's going to put on the field. We'll get to you in a second, David Seaver. Uh, as I said earlier, it's going to come down to the O-line. And, and the challenge with our O-line has been it's been very inconsistent all year. There's been some games where Dexter Williams has run for 150, 200 yards. There's other games where he's run for 50 yards. You, you can't do that. I mean, you've got to consistently open holes. And the challenge is the Clemson D-line are beasts. So you got to – Try to find some success there. And if that's not working, you at least got to defend or, or, sorry, protect Book and give him time to make the throws. He can't really throw the deep wall, a ball, quite honestly. He doesn't have a lot of success there. But the quick 10 to 15-yard passes, um, if he can get a rhythm, that's where you get the 70% completion rate. If he can find that rhythm, and, 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 and we may see a lot of screens this, uh, this uh, game. We may see a lot of uh, draw plays, which we haven't seen from Notre Dame all year just to keep the defensive line of Clemson on their toes. Cause that that's where it's going to be won or lost. Dexter Williams is a great runner, but you got to have a hole. David, before we get to David Sievert, uh, you, you brought up something there that I, I, you know, in everything I've analyzed about this game so far, Dexter Williams averaging 6.6 yards per catch. If you can get him some screen passes and some, maybe some, you know, that, that uh, wheel route type mm-hmm. thing, cause he is really kind of a sneaky acceleration running back. If he can find some holes, he run, he's not big. Reminds me a lot of like an Emmett Smith where he can, he finds a hole and then just exposes it for 12, 15, 20 yards. Um, and, you know, just under a thousand yards rushing. And I think Etienne was about the same uh, number this year, David. All right, so let's put it on you, David. That, that, that defensive line that we talked about, incredible front seven. Um, and I think, I think what it's going to boil down to is, is, uh, is the kid named uh, Trey Lamar, who's your linebacker. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the attention goes on the front guys, but that Trey Lamar being able to, to set that, if David's offensive linemen aren't coming out and blocking him, I think he could have a big game. Yeah, he's he's really key 
key to our defense. Obviously, the front four are outstanding, and uh, Trey Lamar and Kendall Joseph uh, run that that middle linebacking crew. Um, and with the two of them in there together, they can help with the screen passes. You know, one of the things that if I was Notre Dame and I've watched the South Carolina game and I watched the uh, Syracuse game, I would run up-tempo as much as possible. Yeah. Um, because with Clemson, we're always looking at the sidelines, trying to get the plays. And against Carolina, uh, they were just getting funky formations. We were out of out of position, and they just busted, you know, three or four big plays that uh, kept them morally in the game mm-hmm. for them. David, talk about that for a second because that your defense coordinator came from Oklahoma. What's his name? Uh, Brent Venables. Venables. Does is that something with a, a trust thing? Does he just not want the defensive guys on the field to call the plays because they do they do move around a lot looking at the sideline? I'm not sure what what it is. I mean, I, I, but I'm not going to disagree. Got to drive me. you crazy as a fan, but but obviously it, the results. It, the results for the last four years. Um, if we have a couple busts, I'm okay with it. It does get a little frustrating sometimes during uh, hurry up when you're just going like, just call the damn play, figure it out. Just go, right. let your athletes be athletes and out-athlete them. Quit overthinking the process. So, Todd, Shay, Bill, jump in with I – mean, I, we're going to get to the point now we're going to put these guys on the spot and have them call their shot. Um, we have not picked our games. We can maybe pick our, our games this week for the Cotton Bowl and, and next week for the Orange Bowl as part of our official bowl pool. Um, but what are the intangibles, uh, Shay, Todd, Bill, you're, you'll be kind of watching for in this game. And let's see if Seaver and Dillard Snyder have any thoughts. I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off. I, um, I mean, we, we're all for, I mean, the majority of us are from the South. So you look at football a little differently in the South. You learn that that games are won and lost at the line of scrimmage. And, um, I think Notre Dame's offensive line has been questionable a lot this year. Even their defensive line at times. You take it back to like the Ball State game early in the year and um, and how they performed the pit game as well, stopping pitch running game. Um, I think that the line of scrimmage on Notre Dame is a little weak. However, their strength is their secondary. And um, on the flip side, you look at the strength of that Clemson team is their defensive line and, and their offensive line too. Clemson can kind of do what they want when they want with most teams from the line of scrimmage. So I think that's something to watch moving forward. Um, I just think it's a low-scoring game. I think it's probably a hard-hitting game and, and very strategic in, in, in their moves uh, throughout. Todd, jump in. So, Shay, you like the under of 55? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> yes. Yes. I love the under. <laughs> Early intel? God. <laughs> I need help. Um, so, so here's here's my take on it. Um, Clemson has reloaded. Um, Dabo, Sweeney, and Clemson, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the last four years have been the number two seed. No, we were uh, – let's see, the year we lost Alabama championship, we were the number one seed. Okay. And last year we were the number one seed. The number one seed has never won the championship. Right. So maybe you've been t- maybe I, I read your top two the last four years. Anyway, this is a Clemson team that's just uh, reloading. Um, you have a, a freshman quarterback um, taking over uh, a, a quarterback that left, and you haven't missed a beat, right? So my problem with Notre Dame is, congrats again to go undefeated is 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 honorable and and respectful and awesome. Um, but who have they really played? Um, they beat the Michigan team game one. Um, 
you know, since then, who they beat, no fault of their own. You can't control your schedule, right? I right. Mean, um, so that alone uh, leads me to believe that um, Notre Dame's got an uphill uphill climb. Um, so that, that's kind of my take on it, what, Bill, without predicting. But anyway, go, Bill. Yeah, I, I, I think for me, it was talked about a little bit earlier uh, in the episode, but uh, Dabo having been there so many times and not just the coaching staff, but those kids, I mean, some yep. of those kids came back and it's, um, you know, the week that leads up to an event like this, having, having worked a Super Bowl, having worked in the NFL and, and major league baseball at the world series, there's so much stuff that's going to hit those Notre Dame kids, like a ton of bricks, right. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, uh, you know, there's the media days, there's the interviews, or sitting at the tables in a banquet room where the reporters want to talk to you. And generally speaking, coaches can try and protect them, but they're not going to be able to. Um, so I think, I think that part of it's going to be pretty overwhelming for Notre Dame, right, David D. So that I think that's the, uh, I think that's kind of the intangible for me is how they how they handle all that stuff that's coming at them, where the Clemson kids are going to be like, we've been through this, except yeah. for Trevor. But you know, I think he's. He's got that laid he's back. Different, he's a different cat, right? Laid back <laughs> California <laughs> attitude. He's cool. He's going to say at this point, the time, at this point, the season, you're not a freshman anymore, right? You, exactly. You know, yeah. He's right. going to say, I have dogs catching Frisbees as my receiver. I, if I got, <laughs> if I got Frisbee catching dogs out there. I'm <laughs> yeah. so. David, you know, you David, look at Ian Book. I mean, the spotlight is going to be on him. It already is. He's yeah. a cover of Sports Illustrated, right? So big, big thing for him. And, and to Bill's point, can he handle that pressure? That's going to be huge. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I think Kelly's a, you know, manipulator is not the right word, but I think he's just a guy that's going to, he's very cerebral in his coaching. Motiv- motivator. Motivator. Yeah. He, yeah. But he, I think he's just going to get in these kids. Look, Clemson's a top five offense and defense. Two games decided by 10 points or less. Notre Dame, uh, six points decided by 10 points or less. Yep. Um, Notre Dame's been in more close games. Um, you know, Notre Dame had to rec- recover an onside kick against ball state. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, they, they, they almost lost to Vandy. Um, so is that going to put them in a position to say, look, Bill, you, you shared the stat last week about the Georgia Alabama, oh. you know, nine plays that they weren't in the lead. And or two, they, two minutes, plays, right? Two they, minutes. They, they went two and zero, oh, and they only had the lead for nine snaps out of 290 snaps. The last so I guess, you know, the, the what if scenario receiver uh, for you, it, would you be nervous if Clemson gets down 14 points in this game? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we're, still, we're we're built to handle it. I mean, you look back at our Syracuse game, the week where right. uh, Kelly Bryant left. Yeah. Uh, second yep. quarter, Trevor Lawrence goes down. We bring in Chase Bryce, who's he's wearing the little green penny over there. <laughs> Non-contact jersey. Yeah. Yeah. He, he comes in and Lee just makes an unbelievable fourth and seven play on, on the last drive with less than two minutes. Uh, and then keeps it on a uh, end around himself. And um, so I think the, the teams themselves uh, are ready for moments like that. All right. And so, so it's time to call your shots. Is it time boys or any, any final questions from our. Well, just one, one quick final thought, you know, you said go, you know, if ND goes up by 14. That's where Kelly has to be smart. And, and the problem is throughout the season, Notre Dame was up seven, up 14, and they, they'd have the ball and they'd be running a fast offense. And you're like, I'm throwing stuff at my TV. You're like, blow the ball down. You don't need to run a fast offense. Yeah. Don't run out of bounds. Lay down. Yes. Yeah. So 
as to my point earlier, you got to be smart. If they can be smart, they can win this game. Yeah, look, tur- turnover margins for, for the teams, it's, I think it's five versus uh, – I think uh, Notre Dame's five plus five and, and Clemson's plus four. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it kind of shows you these are, these are well-coached, organized teams. They wouldn't be where they're at if they couldn't figure that out. So, David, I'll, let's start with you, David Dillenshire, as the underdog in the game. Uh, lay out your path to victory and, and, mm-hmm. and, and call your shot. So, as I've harped on several times, that perfect game. When Notre Dame played Northwestern, they beat them, but Northwestern didn't have a turnover, didn't have a single penalty. That's how you stay in a game like this. If they can do that, um, if they can – here's my challenge, Sean, and the rest of you. I don't want Notre Dame to get too gimmicky. They get a month to prepare for this. Oh, let's start running Wimbush out to the side and have him throw the ball, and let's do double reverses. Do what has been successful. If they do that, and they don't make major mistakes, I think it's a touchdown field goal game, 27-24-ish. If Notre Dame uh, make the stupid things, book throws an interception or whatever, it's going to be, you know, 31-14. Okay. All right. So what's your pick? And by the way, Clemson would win. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear. Just to be clear. So do you, feel, do you feel comfortable to set aside your, your fandom for many, many years, even before you went to school there, set aside your, all the money you paid to go to school there and your diploma he, on the He wall. better pick Notre Dame. He better pick Notre Dame. <laughs> you pick a Notre Dame and you say, <laughs> what do you think? Well, the only way, Notre Dame's not going to blow Clemson out. Notre Dame, they play a good game. They, they deal with the offensive line versus Clemson's defensive line. Notre Dame wins by a touchdown, a field goal. Okay. All right. David Sievert. Talk us through how does Clemson get back to the fourth national championship game in the last five years? So the, the key is staying patient. Um, no, we may not – offense may not click the first the first couple of series. You know, the Florida State game, I can't remember the final score, 60-something to whatever. <laughs> we didn't score in the first quarter. Actually, we missed a field goal in the second quarter. They roughed our kicker, um, and then we went 28 unanswered points. Boom, 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 boom. So our key is to just stay patient, stay with the plan. And like I said earlier, don't get uh, frustrated with the lack of a big play. Stay disciplined uh, in their scheme, know what they want to do, um, you know, run the ball and throw it across the middle, uh, and then look for that big play to T. Higgins, Justin Ross, and our sneaky little number 13. <laughs> is that Renfro? That is. He, yeah. Who's, who's going to rejuvenate um, – Bill Belichick. Um, <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> he, he is a, a, new, a complete Edelman. Edelman. I mean, he is an Edelman. Wow, that's great. Holy Amendola, yeah. yeah. Great. Yep. So what's your pick, David Seaver? So I, I think we've got enough uh, talent, again, not to um, downplay Notre Dame. They've had a great season. But I, I think it'll be more of a 35-17 uh, win. I think once we get to the second half, uh, I think our offense will start clicking. Um, we'll get some three and outs. Um, and uh, another key is our punter. Um, I think we're, we're ranked like 90th in punting. Um, Notre Dame's in the top 10. Uh, I think every punter we face this year has averaged like 45 yards. So uh, the key is for our punter to at least get 35, 40 yards on his punts. When we we're going to. deep, Sean. We're going deep. Wow. <laughs> hey, Jim, Jim, Trestle, Jim Trestle, national championship winning coach of Ohio State, said the punt is the most important play in football. So when we've had a great season like we've had, we 
and we're fans. We got to complain and bitch about something. So we're, we're complaining about our punter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so Sean and Todd, I, I just want to point out that all three score predictions were under 55. Just yeah. throwing that out there for you. All right. All right. <laughs> well, listen, uh, two, two schools that, you know, you don't see in, in, in pro football, but two of the coolest traditions, you know, walking out of the locker room at Notre Dame and touching the play like a champion today in, in Clemson, coming out of the buses, entering into Death Valley and touching Howard's Rock, running down the field. Um, you know, they're playing in Jerry World. They're playing in a, uh, you know, they're not playing in the Cotton Bowl. They're playing in Jerry, Jerry World for this game. Uh, it's going to be a fun game. Let's go around the horn really quick and get our predictions for the bowl pool. Uh, Sean, let me make one, Sean, let me make one last comment. Yeah, please, Dave. So this will be like the fourth game that Clemson and Notre Dame have played, and each one has been a classic. Obviously the one in the um, – in the hurricane a couple of years ago. Um, and then in 78 or 79, Clemson beat Notre Dame uh, at Notre Dame. And the year before that, Clemson was up uh, 17 to seven uh, in the fourth quarter. And some guy by the name of Joe. Uh, <laughs> Joe Thiesman. Yeah. It was Thiesman back then. It was back then. <laughs> yeah. um, came back and scored two touchdowns late in the fourth quarter to uh, – to beat us. And mm. so, it, I mean, the games between clubs and there's only been three, but all of them have been you know, great games. Yeah. Nice. All right. Let's go. Uh, I'm going to go first in this one. Cause I'm in last place. All right. <laughs> so, For sure. Who didn't yeah. know that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I am. Uh, I'm, I'm going Clemson to win in overtime. Make him a call. It's going to go overtime. There's no bonus points for predicting the overtime. There is a wow. double bonus point. <laughs> if I'm down by two or you're more st- games, there's a double bonus you're point. Still, you're, still three, you're still three and three. So. All right. Let's, next up, Bill. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Clemson. They don't cover, but they win. Okay. Todd. Hey, listen, I love what both Davids had to say uh, about scouting. Yeah, good, good insights, right? Yeah. yeah. Love, it. love it. And what um, – as much as I like what David Seaver had to say, which reminds me of Alan Thick, wasn't he Michael Seaver or David Seaver? Growing pains, <laughs> uh, thank you. Come on. Uh, <laughs> hey, Kirk Cameron, born on my birthday. Rest in peace. Um, but what David, Noble, one of the hottest chicks ever on television back in the day. Sorry, I, I, I started this. Old guy. My bad, guys. Um, but what David <laughs> Dylan Snyder said uh, really wrong true. Don't panic. <laughs> Don't do any like obvious early trick plays or fourth and 11 punt fakes. Um, so that said, um, uh, with all respect to Notre Dame, Florida's always wanted an undefeated season. We've never had it. Congratulations to them. But I think Clemson's a better team. I think they not only win, um, but sorry, David Dillon Schneider, David Seaver, you cover. Um, I think they win by 20. Wow. Okay. Just sorry. I mean, that's hey, no extra points if they win by twenty. <laughs> I will, yep. Fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. Shay, what do you think, man? Our, our regular I, sharp. <laughs> I think. Um, I think Notre Dame has a shot at winning this game. In order to win the game, they're going to have to score a ton of points. So they're going to have to throw the ball around the yard, similar to what Syracuse did. Um, we talk about the injury in the Syracuse Clemson game, but at the same time, Syracuse was controlling that game prior to the injury. And if it wasn't for a few failed conversions late in the game, Syracuse probably could have pulled off the upset for the second year in a row. Um, mm-hmm. But in order to do that, Notre Dame does have to play a perfect game. And just Clemson's been there so many times. And, they I mean, it's just – it's a business trip for them. 
I yeah. don't think they cover. I definitely think it goes under, but I think Clemson's able to go ahead and uh, move to the next round. One of the Davids is going to join us on our national championship uh, <laughs> podcast. We can, sure we, we can make gonna... this. We can make this. Here's my my prediction. A guarantee. A guarantee that there will be a David <laughs> in the final. Fair enough, right. guys. We wish you a ton of luck to both your teams. I know it's a you know we, we've all been through it. Actually, Bill, sorry you haven't. We've three of us oh, before to have a uh, to have a team in the championship. It's a. Uh, you, you want to root for your team, but then you think of all the scenarios of how they could lose. Um, and, and it's, it's awesome when it happens. Uh, I can't even tell you, David Schneider, you know, obviously living here in Columbus, uh, what that, what that victory for the Gators over Ohio state meant to me, uh, and all the shit I had to talk, listen to for the month ahead. Let, listen, uh, to the David Sievers and to, and to Mike Randall next week, um, Clemson and, and Alabama come in huge favorites the same way Ohio state did against Florida. Uh, when we won the national championship, We've seen it happen before. Uh, we saw Alabama come in in the very first um, college football playoffs and, and get beat by a very good Ohio State team that went on to win the championship. Um, who knows? Uh, a month from now, someone might be uh, holding the trophy up that no, no one would have thought. Oklahoma, Notre Dame, uh, Clemson, and Alabama. It's been fun. Uh, let's go quickly around the horn the way we finish all the time. We have two extra people. David Siever, tell us what you got coming up this week. So it's a uh, kind of a slow, slow week this week. Uh, finished a little Christmas shopping. Um, got my daughter home from school, so I may uh, hang out with her for a little bit. Awesome. David Dillon Schneider, what's going on? I like David Seaver, a relatively slow week. Want to recover from this cold, uh, watch a fair amount of football. Uh, it's it's going to be good. This is a slow time of the year, so I like it. All right. Todd, what's, go- what's up with you, doors and hardware? Are you doing some last-minute calls, or are you, uh, you working from home this week? No, so definitely uh, doing some some last uh, second last minute calls. Um, exciting having a hollow metal conversion. We could have a whole hour on that. So have a distributor that's going to convert their hollow metal over from the competitors to ours. Very exciting stuff. I don't want to bore you, um, but yeah, pretty much business as usual. Going to clean up. Um, we've talked about it before. The summer's a great time to take inventory, clean up, and uh, plan for for twenty nineteen. Um, I will say this and I'll let you go. Uh, it is the holiday time. Um, friends and family are important to us. And for whatever reason, some people struggle during the holiday time. So make sure you reach out to friends and family and just uh, let them know you're, you're thinking about them and you care. And I uh, hope everyone enjoys an extended holiday, holiday season. Excellent. Right Good message, Todd. Shay, what's going on in the Pacific Northwest? Man, I'm jealous of you guys. I don't get slow weeks, man. I don't. <laughs> I don't get slow weeks. Yeah, I work for the Trailblazers. <laughs> I only have to work in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> We're selling no. doors and hardware and real estate, Shay. I'm just telling you. <laughs> we um, we've got three home games this week, and um, three actually really big games. So we've got uh, the Grizzlies, uh, Luca, and the Mavericks, and then the Utah Jazz come here as well this week. So. It's a pretty important week for the Blazers trying to get back in the uh, – trying to stay in the top eight. Hey, Shane, really quick, let me, let, me, let me jump out of the script for a second. When you're working the games, and like a Luka, obviously a rising rookie who's going to be in the league for years, Dirk Nowitzki, maybe, maybe on a farewell tour, maybe one more year, how often do you catch yourself just taking that extra 30 seconds just to watch a play? Oh, well, I mean, in my role, I'm actually fortunate enough that I, I can watch the majority of the game. So during the game, it's a lot of um, 
just putting out problems, but a lot of entertaining clients. And so when you're entertaining clients, clients don't necessarily want to be pulled away from their seat. So a lot of the time you're actually there uh, at the seat with them the watching and rows, talking. Right? The, uh, the first five, first five, first five, first five rows. So courtside uh, is considered first five rows here. So a lot of the times you're there in the seats or standing next to them and you're actually just, you know, just shooting the breeze and talking about basketball the entire time. So it's good. That's for awesome. Me. Awesome. Have a good week. Bill, what do you got going on, man? Tell us who's on the real estate sessions this week. I loved, I loved Chris Lim last week. Uh, yeah, Chris Lim. So next, uh, this tomorrow, uh, Tuesday's episode is going to be Katie Clancy of the Cape House yeah. team up in Cape Cod. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, I want to touch real quick on Shay's comment. So I was an operations guy when I worked for the Padres for all those years in the ticket office. I was a guy who had to sneak out to catch some of the game, see that guy. <laughs> All the marketing and sales weasels. I mean, people the ones who got to go hang out in the luxury boxes and kind of, you know, visit with people. Shay, I'm insanely jealous. So it's cool. It's all good. Uh, Bitter party of one, Bill. But but Shay knows the guy in the ticket office who doesn't leave that box office because he's trying to balance the game and call an attendance number. So (laughs) I do pay attention to all those kind of people too. It's hard work. Um, yeah, so I've got Katie Clancy this week. I'm headed to Lee County for just a quick overnighter on Tuesday and Wednesday to talk to some people down there. And, uh, and I'm, I, you know, I'm working really hard that in this quiet time for us to up my game a little bit, Sean, on some of the technology tools that we've purchased at Fidelity National Financial. I'm not nice. quite sure if you're aware of those, right, with uh, Commissions, Inc., Real Geeks, Skyslope. Yeah, yeah we really? own all those companies. And so um, opportunity for me to uh, educate the, the right kind of customers on how those things work. So I'm working hard on that. So that's it. Some great, great connections at those companies too, that you can. Obviously oh yeah. I know some people there. It's good. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Excellent guys. For me, it's uh, I just finished up my, uh, my last week of travel. As I said, flew down to Greenville, uh, at the request of my daughter to drive her, help drive her home, uh, from Columbia after her first semester of her sophomore year. Um, rain the whole way. So as you guys know, driving on the freeway in the rain, nothing, it's just the worst. Mm. So to have a companion to chat with and, and laugh with, and it was fun. Uh, I'm done with my, my speaking gigs for the year, 55 speaking gigs in the books uh, from Albuquerque or from uh, Arizona to, to New England, to Memphis, uh, all over the place. Had a great time. Uh, and I had my last closing this week. So really just, uh, just catching up and touching base with clients this week and uh, next week. And, um, uh, Bill doing that very important thing on Friday. Uh, not a huge deal, but doing my, my first colonoscopy. So, Hey, oh, yeah. hey God, that's amazing. I know that's I'm so I don't believe the hype. Ron is like, why do you talk about that in public? I'm like, well, cause I know it's a big deal. And, and Bill, oh my God. you know, yeah. it is a big deal for you, right? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, like, I think, you know, I, I focused heavy on March as colon cancer awareness month and as a survivor, you know, everyone on this podcast, <laughs> I tell everyone listening to podcasts, all three that I do, when you hit 50, just go get it done. And, you know, and if you got a history in your family, you got to do it earlier. But Sean, I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't know if you've already received your prep, but I, I'm, I a, I'm a huge fan of the pills, not the drink. So there is a pill you can take. Okay, so it's 24 of them, but it's called Osmo Prep. So there's your tip, hot tip. Ask okay. for the Osmo prep. It's just easier to take, I think, than that drink as a veteran of many of them now. And, um, and the drug is by far the best drug you will have ever taken in your life. I'm assuming you're not doing any meth or fentanyl. But, um, <laughs> but that propofol they're going to knock you out with 
is yeah. the best shit ever. So enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. So, nice. But hey, but Bill, on all seriousness, well worth it, right? Check prevention, all that. Good oh stuff. my god! No, I'm be, to be brutally serious, there's two outcomes of a, of Sean's colonoscopy. There's two outcomes. One, he's good, he's free and clear. See you in ten years, and they find a polypsy in five, or they discover you have cancer early, and there's a ninety four percent cure rate, and you move on with your life. Nice. You know anyone? Know anyone who survived that, Bill? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I, you know, and it, like, I there's this weird part of me. I was 51 when I had it done. I should have done it at 50 because maybe, just maybe, it hadn't uh, turned into stage three. It stayed stage two. There'd have been no chemo, whatever. But you know, you can't look that way. You just gotta, you know, you just gotta get it done. Um, so yeah, and Rhonda will have a blast riding home with you in the car. I don't know, oh, if yeah. you know about that part. Do you know about that part? Yeah, I do. I, yes. Yeah, you'll have a you'll have a great time with her. It'll be yeah. great. So, hey guys, this was a blast. Uh, on behalf of the regular hosts, David Siever, David Dolenschneider, thank you guys so much. I'll say go Irish. I'll say go Tigers. Ipte, uh, whatever, you, whatever you guys say is your slogan. Uh, we'll look forward to having one of you guys back on, and we'd love to invite you guys back on after the uh, bowl season's over, just to kind of do a recap, maybe uh, be a fun recap episode of all the bowl games we saw and all the great college football moments from the year. So, on behalf of Shay and Todd and Bill. And David and David, I'm Sean Carpenter. Thanks for listening to The Stare Down.